Fullerton. It's great to be with you again. Uh, it is a privilege to uh, be invited to, to come and, and bring God's word to you. And uh, thank you, Kenny and worship team, for that uh, great worship set. I feel like my sermon is a little bit superfluous now. Um, you know, just to be led through the Lord's Prayer that way, to be given the time and the, and the space to, to meditate, um, to confess our sins, uh, and, and to declare the, the, the amazing gospel that we have, that last song, uh, really the, kind of the perfect introduction, I think, to um, a study on prayer. I will say, prayer is a wide and deep subject, and we could probably spend all summer doing a series on it. And uh, I come before you as one who is um, just a, a, yeah, I'm not a guru, I'm not an expert on prayer, Um, I feel like a 40-pound weakling, Um, nothing against 40-pound weaklings, but um, Something that has encouraged me within the last year and helped me in my growth in prayer and becoming um, better at it, I think, and uh, growing in it, is a book by Tim Keller. And so some of you have have maybe read this book. uh, uh, If you want to write the title down, it's called Prayer. (laughs) And one thing I love about Tim Keller is just how simple... (laughs) He is. He takes. He takes the great things of God and and brings them to the kitchen table. He, he, you know, he'll draw on uh, scripture and wonderful theologians and um, heroes of faith, but uh, lay it out in a way that is so clear and pastoral and engaging and practical. And uh, I am continuing to grow through that book. And uh, so you'll probably hear some ripoffs uh, as we go. Uh, I do want to. Um, begin with a thought experiment, and uh, it's this. I want you to first think of your your closest, your best, your most mature human relationship that you enjoy, okay? Whether that's a friend or a family member or a spouse, think of that person and think about that relationship you enjoy with them, and I, I want you to consider how far that relationship would have gotten if neither one of you had ever spoken to one another. Okay, obviously not very far, right? That's kind of a duh, right? To have a relationship, you have to have communication. Follow-up question, though, how far would that relationship have gone? How much would you grow with that person if one person ended up doing all the talking? If it was an entirely one-sided conversation, I think of my own wife, um, it, it just would never have happened uh, if, if in my courtship of her, I had been the only one yakking, <laughs> never, never giving her space, never asking, so what do you think about this? Let's, enough about me, let's talk about you. What do you think of me? Um, <laughs> you know, if, if that had been the approach uh, our, our relationship would never have launched. Um, so obviously we need to talk to God, and that's what prayer is at its most basic level. That's like, duh, Christianity 101. But we also need to take into consideration the fact that prayer um, is necessary because prayer and the word together form a communication loop. 
And so just I want to pick up from where Randy left off last week with you where he talked about the importance of the word in our lives. And we have to grow to the place where we're not just good handlers of the word, but we're also allowing ourselves to be handled by the word. I love that line in our confession, that prayer in our confession, confessing where we have uh, failed to let God's word question us. We have questioned God's word, but we, we don't allow God's word to question us. Uh, and uh, so I, I feel like Randy just set this up beautifully because he ended, if you recall, with uh, three things to pray for when you go to the Word, okay, to God's Word that speaks to us. Uh, the first thing we should pray is that God would teach us through the Word. The second thing he prayed, uh, he asked that we pray for, is that uh, we would get life through the Word. We would get life through the Word. And third, that we would not wander. Okay. So uh, this week... I want to look at the flip side of that coin and propose that we can't grow closer to God simply by reading the word without prayer. True. But neither can we grow in our prayer life apart from the word. We cannot have a one-sided conversation with God. And so they are mutually dependent and this is the way it is with all of these habits of grace, really. I love how uh, my friend Scott put it uh, last week. They, 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 create a, they are a Christian ecosystem. Okay? And if you take any one of those things out of, out of our ecosystem, uh, we sap ourselves of the ability to live and flourish and thrive. And we will, we will, our growth will be stunted. Um, but just because they're interdependent, it doesn't mean that one doesn't have priority over the other. I think it makes a lot of sense that we started with the word last week and we're doing prayer this week and not vice versa. And, and why? Um, if you're like me, sometimes maybe, I, I, this is how I sometimes think of prayer and I've had to grow in this, is that prayer is something that I initiate. Prayer is something that I bring to God, Right? Uh, that that uh, th- this is me working out my salvation kind of thing. And, but if you, th- if you think about that, if we reflect on that biblically, and I was just thinking of the Adventure Week skits, just the, the, the parables there in the Bible room, and wow, that recurring theme, what is it? God sought us before we sought him. That he seeks worshipers. And so, yes, we speak to God in prayer, but that's only because he first spoke to us. Eugene Peterson puts it this way, God was the first speaker. God was the very first speaker. His very act of creation was through the spoken word. And because we are his creatures, all our speech is answering speech. You think about a small child that learns to talk. Okay, and grows in maturity of language. They, they speak because they were first spoken to. All of us speak because we were spoken to. And that's been helpful for me to think of prayer in, ter- in, in those terms, is that prayer is a conversation that God has initiated. It's a conversation that God has initiated with me. I haven't initiated it. I'm responding to him. And, it, and, and it's through his word that we can have this communication together. So, to put it another way, to grow in prayer 
uh, and in God, we have to come to terms with the overwhelming previousness of God's speech in our prayers. The overwhelming previousness of God's speech to our prayers. To have our prayers informed by his language, his speech. It's meditation on God's word that allows us to become transformed by the renewing of our minds. He wants to transform us daily, not just uh, in the image of his son by being a nice person, but also thinking his thoughts after him, as one theologian put it. That's what it means to put on Christ. It's to have the mind of Christ. So, uh, one reason I think, or, or a couple of reasons, why this is going to help us practically, okay, this idea, starting with this idea that we, we're grounded in the word and prayer. Um, I asked a number of people in my preparation, what's hard about prayer? What do you struggle with? You know, what, do, what do we typically struggle with in prayer? I asked my son, my oldest son, who's 12, uh, Colin, what's, what's hard about prayer? What's difficult about it? And he said, uh, sometimes I just don't know what words to use. Just get, getting my words just right. And, and he's a kid who sometimes struggles with stage fright. He'll, we'll be praying uh, as a family, and he'll, he'll listen to the prayer requests, and, and, and he's so kind of you know, thinking, oh, I've got to pray it exactly this way. And he'll get in, and, and, and he'll have to just kind of bail and pull the ripcord, okay, because he, he's not sure how he, he ought to word it, right? I asked my wife, well, what do you struggle with? And uh, for her, she said, uh, mind wanders, right? Can we all testify to that, confess that? <laughs> you start off, oh, i got this great prayer thing, you know, and, and it's just, and then you go to the grocery store <laughs> and you run a few other errands uh, in your mind, right? And, you know, or you go to sleep. <laughs> You're like, you know, I have fallen asleep while praying. Like, I don't know if any, that's weird, isn't it? Is that kind of weird? Dads, can anybody, yeah. I mean, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm the dad. I'm supposed to lead in prayer. And I'm praying, but I'm asleep. And I don't know how this is working. Um, but, but if we tether our prayer life to God's word, do you see how that helps us in our weaknesses? If we have God's words that we are learning on, an, on a daily basis, we are learning the language of prayer. We are learning the language of God, and that helps us to know how we ought to pray. It helps us with that, I, I don't know how to word things exactly right. And then we hear the comfort from Jesus. You know, don't, don't make these, you don't have to be really this long prayer, you know, this pharisaical kind of a thing. God knows what you need. Ask simply. Um, and God's word, if we're tethered to it in prayer, it, it will help keep our minds from wandering if we have our Bibles open. And, and, and maybe, we're, maybe we need to pray with our eyes open. Right? That's something we always, you know, must, must close our eyes. And, of course, parents reinforce that because they open their eyes to look at their kids, making sure their kids have their eyes closed. Parents, you do that? I, yeah, do that. And it doesn't take long for the kids to call you out on that, right? You were opening your eyes. <laughs> yeah, but it's different. Okay. Um, why not pray with our eyes open on his word? Right? Um, so those are just, the, the, that's kind of a hint of where we're going here uh, to, to, to learn how to 
pray using God's word. And uh, we'll, we'll get to some, some practical ideas for that. Um, and so, but, but, to, but first, what I, what I do want to cover, I want to cover two main things. Um, what is prayer really? Okay, what is prayer? And to put a finer point on it, what is uniquely Christian prayer? How is Christian prayer different from other beliefs about prayer, practices of prayer, okay, in a nutshell, and, and, and the purpose of it, okay? And then from there, we'll, we'll get to our second part, which is uh, how, how might we come to the word uh, looking to enrich our conversation with God and to grow in him and use the word and prayer together as a means of grace, Okay, so two parts. What is, what is Christian prayer? What's its purpose? And how do we then do that? How do we put word and prayer together uh, in this kind of communication loop as a means of grace? Um, so first of all, what is, what is Christian prayer? I don't want to assume that everyone in the room necessarily is coming with the same level of uh, understanding of the Christian faith. Uh, I hope we have visitors here who, I don't know everyone uh, here, I know a lot of you, but um, I hope we have people here uh, visiting uh, with us who uh, maybe aren't believers and, and uh, don't know a lot about Christianity, and you've come to learn, and, and uh, we, we love having you here, and uh, we hope you can uh, gain some insight. Um, because of that, and, and because we're at different places, I don't think we can ever take it for granted that we all have this wrapped up, right? And we often have some misconceptions about a thing that we need to address, whether it's uh, misconceptions that non-Christians have about prayer or maybe misconceptions we harbor as Christians within our own subculture. So first of all, what is prayer not? What, what, do we, what is it that we're not doing when we, when we pray? Um, the first thing that follows from the observation that Prayer is really answering language. If God has first spoken through his word, already this puts us in contrast with a lot of other religions. Think of other Eastern religions uh, that are a little bit more uh, mystical, um, Buddhism, for example, uh, or New Age spirituality, where the goal of prayer and meditation is actually, it's not to fill your mind with uh, content and God's word, but it's actually to empty your mind, okay? It's an emptying, a vacating, uh, and, and, and that's not the Christian view of prayer at all. It's not to just empty yourself of all rational content. That's not what it means to be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. To be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, as Peter teaches, is to fill your mind with God's word. That's the subject of the Psalms. Last week, we had Psalm 119 that Randy shared from, uh, that we meditate on God's law. Psalm 1, what characterizes the growing, flourishing individual like a, like a tree planted uh, by streams of water, is meditation, day and night on God's word. And meditation, it's, it's eating and it's drinking and it's chewing and it's savoring. That's the picture. Um, and it's even then to the point of enjoyment. Because in order to understand how we ought to pray, we need to understand who God is and we need to understand what he wants. We need to understand what his agenda for us is. So prayer uh, is not just wordless, mystical, uh, you know, emptying. 
Um, Paul even says this, uh, hints at this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I would rather pray with my mind than just in my spirit. And sometimes there's a place for that sort of wordless, I don't know, it's almost a guttural, ah, you know, help, kind of, you know, deep from within your soul, right? Groans uh, too deep to be fathomed. But, but the struggle is always to articulate, right? That's really uh, what, what we need. And, and Paul puts uh, a, a prayer that has content in it above that which is merely uh, wordless. Um, nor is prayer just the Christian equivalent of sending good thoughts, right? Sending good vibes. Uh, have, have you heard people say this? It, may be in, it seems like it's increasing. And I, and I think as we become a more secular society, uh, I think that's, that's one of the symptoms. Um, and I, I think it's easy to mock. I think it's easy to sort of make fun of that. Uh, I, I always, you know, I'm a little mystified. Well, what could that possibly mean? You know, well, you're, how, do you, how are you sending those vibrations? I actually, I met a guy 20 years ago who explained to me. Now I realize he gave me the, the answer to that question. Um, it was a weird conversation, and it was really, I don't have time to tell the story. But, but you can ask me some other time. And it was really ironic, given where we were and the, the aftermath that followed. Sorry to be vague. Um, but but I'm really not going to tell the story. I know, you're sitting there going, that's why I came back. Just, just on the off chance. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but... I mean, so we could, we could mock that um, and, and, and all that, but, but I don't think we should because really when people say that, when I have coworkers who say that, I hear this bi-monthly, okay, where I, where I work at a, a high school and people, you know, when they're going through things, oh, sending good thoughts, <laughs> sending prayers, think about what it is they're after. Think about the human soul and what it is people are yearning for. They want to sympathize with people in their struggle. They want to identify with struggles, and they want to help, and they want to help in a way that is, frankly, above the natural means. That is, they want something supernatural, right? So even when we secularize prayer by, 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 by using language like sending good thoughts, good vibes, it's still, it, we can't suppress the truth, can we? We can't suppress the way we have been wired by our creator. We have a deep need for prayer. And so even when people secularize it, uh, I think it speaks to, to, to what it is that we as Christians believe is actually happening. Um, so I don't know, maybe a good way to, to, ad to address that is to say, I just want to say thank you for, for being sympathetic <laughs> and, and for desiring to have some sort of influential power over this. You know, maybe that's a good way to, to, to answer that. Maybe that would start a conversation. You do. You feel powerless in situations like this. Uh, maybe talk about what you believe. Um, on the other hand, though, uh, that's kind of an others-focused uh, secular approach to prayer. Um, one that's a little more inward-focused, and this is not what Christian prayer is, it's not a narcissism, right? It's not just a kind of an inward self-talk a way to visualize uh, your life so that you can reach your full potential. Okay, that's not what Christian prayer is. And if people have that misconception, we ought to gently correct that as well. And certainly, uh, prayer is not, as atheists would say, uh, just wishful thinking. 
It's not a one-sided conversation with an imaginary friend, as I've heard it characterized. Um, Christian prayer, of course, and we've been singing about this and, 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 and praying through this already, as we know as Christians. Prayer is deeply personal. That is, it is to a three-personed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of whom have reason, right, will, emotions, desires, just like we do, because we're created in the image of that being. And so we can have that fellowship. We can interact with a being that is like that, um, actually more so than a way that I can interact with my cat or my dog, right? I can re that's the amazing thing. I can relate to God on a much better level than I can my dog. And that sounds silly, because my dog is right there. He's very concrete. He's very in my face, okay? Uh, but, he, but, but I am actually more like God than I am like my dog in important ways. Um, but let's talk about some things, though, within Christianity that we might want to think about. Uh, misconceptions, misuses of prayer. And this gets to some of the practical what it is we pray for. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe a meeting or something like that, and uh, someone leading the meeting or something said, well, let's pray over this, and you realize that praying over the thing was really just a way to ratify the decision that had already been made, whether it was wise or not, whether it was God's will or not. That, yeah. Um, we can fall into the trap uh, of using prayer simply as a means to get things we want. And by that, I mean material goods and comforts, um, new circumstances, a situation we would prefer. And sometimes we'll even pull scripture out of context to do it, as Jesus was tempted to do by the devil in the wilderness. Right? And God said this, pray according to his word. Right? Uh, but James 4.3 uh, says, look, the reason we sometimes ask and don't receive is because we ask wrongly so that we may spend it on our passions and live a worldly lifestyle, have that friendship with the world. There's also a risk, then, in reciting, even there's a risk in reciting Scripture, even the Lord's Prayer, if we think that the mere act of recitation, of, of speaking the word, is going to work, as Alan Gomes would put it, auto-magically. That, that our recitation of the Lord's Prayer would become something like an incantation, like a magic spell, like God is a genie in a bottle who can just be commanded. And if I just say the magic words, in Jesus' name, that's like, you know, abracadabra. Um, so, in fact, I want to come back to something then that Eric Tana said two weeks ago and really amplify it, prayer can be dangerous. <laughs> like all of the habits of grace can be dangerous if we don't approach them in the right way. If they are not centered on the gospel, these things can actually put us farther from God than we were before. Because if we treat prayer, if we treat the word, if we treat fellowship, giving, and all of these things, service, if we treat these things as means to get God's attention, as means of garnering favor from God, then we have a false gospel. And so we must have a prayer life that is rooted in the word and centered on the gospel. We need a gospel-centered prayer life. 
And why is that? At its most basic level, prayer is the attempt to garner special, personal attention and gifts from a holy God. That's what prayer is. It's the attempt to garner special, personal attention and gifts from a holy God who doesn't owe us anything. Who doesn't owe us anything. And obviously the problem, as we've been singing and and confessing, is that God is holy and we are not. As Brittany's teaching those kids, God is holy and we are not. And that's a huge problem because a holy God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. We can't just barge into his throne room and start making demands or even even requests unless we come in faith. So we've got to be centered on the gospel, and we could spend a lot of time on this, but let's just, a few ways the gospel makes sense of prayer, okay? A few ways in which the gospel makes sense of prayer. That is, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? We always say that, right? What does it really mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, first of all, as we've said, the gospel gives us access to a holy God. Why? Because Christ offered himself as the once and for all perfect sacrifice. God can only deal with sin with his anger and his righteous judgment. But he poured all of that out on his son who did it who took all of that in our place on the cross. And so that act alone gives us access to God the Father. It gives us his righteousness. It cleanses us from a a guilty conscience, a conscience sprinkled clean. And when we approach the throne of grace then, what happens in salvation? We are adopted as sons and daughters. We're not coming as rebels. We're not coming as sinners any longer. We're coming as dearly beloved children who are asking their father, right? The gospel also teaches that um, historically, Jesus not only died for our sins, but he was raised from the dead. We literally believe that. that. That's one of those weird things that Christians believe. Weird but true, okay? That Jesus literally, physically, bodily rose from the dead. And he now sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven and he's praying for us. This is magnificent. Number one, we have a living God that we're praying to. We have the God who is there. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not, it's not an imaginary friend. No, no, no. The, the historical evidence all points to the fact that Jesus is alive. And he said, I'm coming back. And meanwhile, I'm praying for you. So if we're weak in prayer, we can take courage that it doesn't rest on us, but on Christ's finished work and the fact that he's sustaining us through his high priestly uh, intercession for us. And finally, meanwhile, he sent us the Holy Spirit, who, as we said before, puts that spirit of of sonship into us so that we can cry, Abba, Father, and teach us how to pray through the word. He illuminates the word to us and dwells in us. He gives us all the resources we need for prayer through the gospel. And that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Now, as we move into the the practical, here's a great practical uh, that, that I got from uh, our dear Fred Sanders years ago, and it, it's something that really has changed my mindset with prayer. Those words, in Jesus' name, where do we always put it? At the end, right? It's like, amen. Oh, yeah, in Jesus' name, right? If we pray in his name, he will give us what we want. Okay. Fred's suggestion in, in his book on the Trinity was this. 
to remind yourself of how it is <laughs> that you came to God in the first place, try taking that in Jesus' name and move it to the beginning of your prayer. Just move it to the beginning. And as you address your Father, Father, in Jesus' name, I come. Just, just to slow it down. We, we can often you know, follow a, a formula, right, and, and kind of move quickly, and, and we don't think about what we're saying. But that has, that has encouraged me. That has helped me in my prayer life because when I consciously do that, I have to, I have to kind of paradigm shift it, right? I'm here because of Jesus. And, and that, I think, is more likely to put us in a posture of humility, right? Rather than just using Jesus' name as a, you know, uh, official stamp uh, to expedite the mail, as, a, as a, you know, ex- expedite this letter, okay? Um, so that, 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 that might be, yeah, <laughs> that might be helpful. Um, so what is prayer then, and, and, and how are some other ways we can define it? Westminster Catechism uh, defines it this way. Prayer is the offering up of our desires to God. It's the offering up of our desires to God. Think about all the desires that you have throughout the day. Some good, some not, okay? Um, but being transparent, with God in that. Offering our desires up to God in the name of Christ, by the help of the Spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Prayer is really the, the daily practice of dependence on God. It's a posture of dependence for everything we need through the gospel and for life. Prayer is a way in which we, by reading the word, synchronize our hearts, our reason, our will, our emotions, our desires, synchronizing all of that with God's desires, with God's heart. Because prayer reveals our priorities. When you're trying to grow, you have to be able to measure yourself, right? Um, there's a great quote by J.I. Packer, if we could get it on the overhead here as we move into to application. Um, Packer puts it this way, we must learn to measure ourselves not by our knowledge about God, not by our gifts and responsibilities in the church, but by how we pray and what goes on in our hearts. Many of us, I suspect, have no idea how impoverished we are at this level. Let us ask the Lord to show us. Prayer, if you look at your prayer life over the last week, okay, and ask yourself, what have I prayed for? <laughs> How does that reveal my priorities? That's, that's a good place to start uh, in light of God's word. Let's, let's ask the Lord to show us uh, even now. Lord, um, as, as we turn to look at how you want us to pray, we praise you that you have given us the right to pray. We praise you for your son. It's in his name we ask you to illuminate our hearts. Show us the areas where we still need to grow as we become more and more conformed to the image of your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, We've said that really the starting point for prayer is scripture. So along those lines, I want to get us to some scripture. Uh, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4.12, and we'll, we'll put it on the overhead as well, but um, Hebrews 4.12 and following 
really encapsulates what we've been saying so far. Okay? And I want us to, to read it and look at it as to kind of the how and why. And then I want us to go, go to it uh, with, with a strategy. Okay? Hebrews 4, 12. This is a verse, this first one uh, is a verse I, I memorized in, in Sunday school. Um, never, never in conjunction with the verses that followed. Uh, and, and it kind of blew my mind to then read what followed. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God's word is a sword. It's like a scalpel. It does surgery on us. It reveals our thoughts, our desires, everything that's in us. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, pause. That sounds scary. I don't know that I want to read God's word now, right? It, wouldn't that be the, the visceral reaction? I don't want to be naked before him. I don't want God's scalpel to just lay me, lay me bare and, and exposed because I know what's inside me. I know enough of what's inside me to know that it ain't pretty. But look what follows. Look what follows. If you recall, if you were here for our Hebrew series, you know that the whole book of Hebrews, the context is Jesus, our high priest, what Christ has done for us. So it doesn't end with bad news. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Don't run, dig in. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Without sin. Jesus can identify with me and that he's been tempted. And yet, he did not succumb. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's through Christ. It's his throne of grace was a throne of judgment. But now it is a place where we can ask for mercy. We can ask for everything we need. Now let's say this had been our Morning devotional, okay? You open your Bibles, maybe you're reading through Hebrews or, or, or something like that, and you come across this passage. All right, well, said, you know, word, prayer, we're, they're supposed to go together, right? I'm going to dig something up uh, that might be fam very, very familiar to you. It's so familiar, I, I, I even, you know, debated, eh, should I really, really, this is pretty big. I realized, yeah, no, I need, I need to dust this off. Um, how many of you remember this uh, device, right? Act, okay? Uh, some people learned it differently uh, as cats, okay? If you're a cat person, you can put confession first, right? And, and maybe sometimes that's, that's good strategy. That's good, you know, you might have to do that. As the psalmist said, uh, uh, if I had cherished sin in my heart, you would not have heard me. Sometimes we need to come confessing, okay? 
Um, but it's a good device just to, re- and it's easy to remember, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And as I was thinking about this, I'm realizing, wow, there's an area in which, for me, I need to grow more, and God has helped, is helping me grow in more and more uh, over the last year, in part through Keller's book and, and, and basically being part of our church. Because, actually, you guys do this really well. <laughs> but it's the first one, adoration. Um, what if I tried to have a successful marriage with my wife and all I did was ask her for stuff. <laughs> and I never gave thanks for what she did for me and for our, kill- our children. I never confessed to her when I was wrong. And I never adored her. Adoration and, conf- or adoration and thanksgiving often go very well together, right? Uh, often we transition between the two, but they're actually different, aren't they? I can thank my wife without adoring her. And I can actually adore her without thanking her. I can adore her beauty without thanking her for her beauty, right? God made her beautiful, okay? I thank God that she's beautiful, okay? Um, uh, but, but they're different. Does that make sense? And, you know, Adoration is something that enriches our relationship because it involves joy and delight. And and looking at my own prayer life, I realize this. You know, I think sometimes we shy away from prayer, we shy away from the Word, because we don't do it long enough and deeply enough to where it actually becomes joyful. We we feel duty-bound, right? Right? And so we need to get to the joy of the gospel. We need to, that's why the Lord's Prayer starts with adoration, right? I love that we walked through the Lord's Prayer and just went, went right on down. This is behind the Lord's Prayer. This is kind of the deep structure of the Lord's Prayer. It's the deep structure of the Psalms. And I think it's also part of the deep structure of Paul's prayers. So maybe think on your own. Where, where do I fall? Where do I need to maybe brush up a little bit and, and, and make sure that I don't gloss over that? Maybe for you it's adoration. Okay? Maybe you need to think more about the attributes of God that, need, you know, that, that he wants you to recognize and pray about and, 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 and confess. Okay? Just like I would have to think of attributes of my wife. right? How do I adore her? Well, I've got to come up with some things, right? She's beautiful. She's compassionate. She has a servant's heart. She's diligent. She's responsible. You know, I've got to come up with these adjectives. So look what this is going to do for us. Let's come back to Scripture. And let's say we've done our morning devotional in, in Hebrews chapter 4. And we read just a little passage here, and we, and we learn things about God, don't we? Let, let's share out real quick, if you have Hebrews 4 in front of you still, what are some attributes of God we see in just this passage alone? What are some traits of God our Father and of Jesus Christ that we see in this passage? What is it? He's all-knowing. He knows everything. That's amazing. God, you know everything. I can't fathom that. What else? He's merciful. God, I love your mercy. Holy. God, you are holy. 
I can't approach you. I can't, I, I, I can't approach you without your son. What else? Sympathetic. sympathetic. Our God is a sympathetic God. He's not only angry, right? As, as people often mis and, uh, misrepresent him. He's discerning. He's wise. And his, and his word helps us discern, right? And, now, do you see how this just has a cascading effect then? Can you think of things then to confess? I can. God, you're holy. I'm not. I am laid bare before you. But thank you that your word is living and active. I, I need more of your word. I, I need your mercy. I need your throne of grace. I need to keep coming back to your throne of grace. Help me not to wander. Right? And, and, and so if we keep circling back to the word, we have this communication, we can have a communication loop with God in prayer that is meditative, that is deep, that is enriching to us, and we grow in our dependence on him, and we grow in our confidence in the steadfastness of our faith. I'm going to give you all a homework assignment this week along these lines. Um, we're going to have the, the, the next uh, one. Now, don't write all of these down, Okay. I know, some of you are really, really good students and you're just going to copy everything and, and, and try to do it. Maybe do one, but these are just some suggested passages of Scripture that are prayers, specifically. Okay, So uh, some from the Psalms that are specifically, pretty much all the way through, direct prayers to God as opposed to songs about Him. Okay, um, The other column here uh, mostly represents uh, Pauline prayers. Years ago, I decided I need to grow in prayer, and I did a study of how does Paul pray? Because there are a lot of prayers in, in Paul's epistles, and, and to be honest, I skip over them. Right? I kind of skim to the practical stuff. Wait a minute. I, need to, I, need, I, could, I could stand to learn to pray as Paul prayed. And so here, here are some of Paul's prayers. Maybe, maybe take one as, as, as a grace group. Sit around it. Read it. Pray it. Use, use acts if, if that helps, or cats, or, or something like that. Okay? Go through all of those phases that are important. Just a preview for Paul. Paul, he, he prays for three things. Three things. It's really simple. For all his prayers, three things, three elements. Number one, he gives thanks. He always gives thanks. That's what he, you're right? Is his favorite? I always give thanks for all of you. Okay? He's, a, he's a thankful prayer. We've got to have that. Number two, he always prays that the gospel, and he asks prayer for prayer, that the gospel would go out unhindered, that there would be no hindrance to the gospel. I love that. The gospel is the center of our prayer life, not just because it gives us the impetus for prayer, but it is the subject of prayer. It is the subject of prayer because that's God's mission. That's God's priority. He wants the gospel to go forth. And number three, it's the gospel in our own lives. Paul prays for uh, believers, that they would all grow in the love and the knowledge of Christ. That we would all grow in the knowledge and the love of Christ. A really rich one, Ephesians 3, 14 to, uh, through 21. He just bursts out in the middle of this, this epistle. He can't help himself. Um, and, and he prays that we would come to know the height and the depth of Jesus' love. That's amazing. So uh, 
maybe take one or, or, or however many and, and, and just spend some deep time this week maybe. Okay? I want to end um, by reading a prayer from Scripture, not one of these, but we started with the, the Lord's Prayer uh, in worship, and I want to end with one of the prayers from our Lord. This is from John 17. And you don't need to, to, to turn there. Maybe it might be good to do something else. Um, this is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. When you ask that question, what is my prayer life like? What do I pray for? What's, what are my priorities? What's my agenda? Versus what's God's agenda? What does God ultimately want? And how does he care for me? This is the part of Jesus' prayer in the garden. He's going to die on the cross for our sins, and he's just prayed for his disciples, and now, guess who he's praying for? Us. So what I want to do is I just want to read this. Maybe just close your eyes and, 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 and think of yourself as you are eavesdropping on a conversation between God the Father and God the Son. This is God the Son petitioning his Father on your behalf. And think of your name and your face before him. Think of the names and faces of everybody in this room, in his mind as he's praying this, about to be delivered up to die. Imagine all the people throughout history in the church and, and all the people in the future who will come to know him. Think of all the people who are in his heart and mind, and, and what Christ's heart is. So let's listen, okay? Let's listen. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and I lo and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me before you, uh, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen.